welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we have Stephanie Cowie. Throughout Stephanie's professional life, she was a vice president at American Benefits Consulting, and she also served as a senior employee benefits consultant for Fortune 50 and 100 companies in the U.S. for the past 22 years. Today on Courageous Wellness, she shares with us a more personal story of suffering a stroke in her spinal cord prior to her 50th birthday. This spinal cord injury created paralysis for Stephanie from the waist down. By sharing her very courageous story with us, we dive into Stephanie's experience from being a temporarily able-bodied person to a person living with a disability. She not only shares with us concepts and language that are important to be aware of for individuals living with disabilities, but also that we are all only ever having an experience of being temporarily abled. Stephanie shares the ups and downs of navigating a new normal and inspires us with her intelligence and sense of humor surrounding how she navigates experiencing physical paralysis. She remains an incredibly active and dedicated member of her community as the co-president of the PTA at Greenwich High School, vice chair to the First Selectman Advisory Council for People with Disabilities, and has previously held a long list of leadership positions, including the United Way of Greenwich and the Junior League. Stephanie lives in Greenwich, Connecticut with her husband, Jim, their son, Sean, and their English golden retriever, Walter. Her interests include golf, spending time with family and friends, singing, playing basketball with her son, travel, and volunteerism. We learn so much from Steph's experience and are grateful to her for sharing her courageous wellness with us today. If you'd like to follow her for a dose of positivity, humor, and strength, you can find her at Steph Be Strong. That's Steph letter B strong on Instagram and Facebook. Please enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by milk and honey guys. I am so excited to share our new sponsor milk and honey with you because I have been using their baking soda free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. 
They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you wanna try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Ned. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I struggle with anxiety that can often lead to disruption in my sleep. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer holistic alternatives to prescription and over-the-counter medicine. They only grow the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants and sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. I love that I can trust their transparent sourcing and that they always offer the cleanest product. I have now been taking the Ned full-spectrum hemp oil 750 milligram tincture twice daily and have truly noticed a massive shift in my overall mood and anxiety levels. While I don't often struggle with anxiety, I regularly use and love Ned's natural cycle collections of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons to support hormone balance and ease period symptoms. These products source 100% organic and wild-crafted botanicals and are slow-crafted from seed to bottle by a group of extraordinary women. All Ned products are also non-psychotropic. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash CW podcast. That is H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know that you're going to love these products. So you can also find the direct link in our show notes. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So to get started, can you share with us a little bit about your personal journey and your story? Sure. Um, Like many of us through our, you know, journeys in life, some things seem to come out of the blue and unknown. In late January of 2018, I was on my way to work. I work full time. I work as a consultant for Fortune 50, 100 companies working on their employee benefits. So prior to that day, I had been flying around everywhere domestically in the U.S. doing my job and meeting with my clients and consulting with my clients and commuting in and out of New York City and Manhattan. I live just outside of the city Um, and I was getting ready to go to work. And I wasn't feeling so great that day and that morning, and I was feeling a little sluggish. And unfortunately, what was happening to me is I went to get dressed, and I was feeling back pain and thought, oh, no, what if I've thrown out my back? But unfortunately, many, um, an emergency room visit, as well as a lot of neurologists 
around me uh, between two hospitals and a continued stay of about 30 days. Um, they determined that I suffered a stroke to my spine, which is also a very rare thing. At first, they thought it was transverse myelitis, which some people know of that as a myelopathy of the nerve endings. Um, and what happened to me was an actual stroke of the spine. So everyone thinks of stroke of the brain, but unfortunately not stroke of the spine. Um, so I didn't present like somebody was having a stroke. Um, I ended up going for um, what we consider to be a 30-day um, in-home, in-house, or I should say rehabilitation. And I did that learning basically how to do things again. So I was at a facility in New York City after my stay at the hospital um, and where I was taught, you know, here you go, this is how you transfer from one place to another. My paralysis ended up that my paralysis was right above um, my belly button. So basically from the waist down, I had no feeling whatsoever. So I had to learn, I mean, everything over again. Um, inability to move, inability to um, utilize a bathroom the way everybody else does. Um, uh, it was um, quite an, an interesting and I, I found it as an out-of-body experience many parts of the time. I found it to be, um, where am I? Is this my life? Is this where I am at this point in time? And I was surrounded by an incredible network of family and friends who really lifted me up through that whole entire time. So for that 60-day period, while I might have felt like my life wasn't in control, I knew that others had my life in their hands. So it was really, um, it was as much as I get all, I get a little choked up when I talk about it because it really was such a, you know, very big change in my life. I am a, I am a working mom. I'm, I'm a mom <laughs> uh, to a then 13 year old child. Um, I'm a wife. I have a husband who is, you know, my rock and um, he has been wonderful in this whole process. But where it's brought me is that I found myself in a world that really isn't prepared for those of us with disability of any kind, to be quite honest, but especially spinal cord injury. This, 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 this area around me is not really welcoming to somebody who is now permanently in a wheelchair. So that's where I am today. I am permanently in a wheelchair. I, um, I do utilize the assistance of an aide. Uh, sometimes in the morning to help get me through my day, meaning starting my day, uh, because I am unable to do certain things. Could be clo bathing, clothing, those things. Those are what I, what's needed. So um, we have utilized those services. I want to go to physical therapy as much as possible. So that's really where my journey has taken me from leaving those 60 days of when I say from hospital to rehabilitation and trying to find places that are even able to handle a spinal cord injury, physical rehabilitation type of situation. And that in this area, which is very odd to me, is, is not around here. They don't have centers of excellence that, that would be able to do that. So, um, you know, cobbling together ways to make myself stronger I do um, say that I am hopeful that someday in life I will walk again. 
whether it be technology driven, whether it be by pure grit and push that I'm working on. I mean, trying to make those legs move any way I can. I'm walking in braces, you know, with assisted of, you know, some uh, 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 aids on my hands. Um, and just really trying to make anything work whatsoever to move myself along. And um, what I'd like to tell when I say this to other people is that while this stroke has really, I mean, when I say take, you know, cut me off with the legs, with the knees, um, in some ways or shapes or form, that uh, it's given me a completely new view on life in general. So I try to remain positive, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that as this conversation goes on, but I don't know if there's anything else that I can even share with that. Yeah, well, thank thank you, first of all, for sharing your story, and um, I'm really, it's really inspiring to hear you share something that probably, I mean, I can assume was probably one of the scariest, if not the scariest experience in your life with... um, on the other side of it with like some humor and optimism and positivity because I just, I mean, it's like you sharing your story, it, it kind of makes one think like a listener think, wow, that could really happen to anybody. And I think that sort of concept of um, invincibility that we sometimes feel as human beings or like you know, stuff happens to other people, but not to me kind of thing. And I'm sort of equating it to, it's a, it's a vastly different experience. But I remember like when I was told that I had cancer, Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, what? Like who? (laughs) Wait, you must have something wrong. Like I'm to what? I was 29 at the time and it was like, wait, what? And so that sort of thing that switches when you're like, wow, this is my new Mm -hmm. reality. This is this is something that I'm experiencing, and and sort of the change that happens in your brain when you go through something that's so so drastically life changing like yours, which really does you know affect the way that you literally and figuratively now move through the world. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for sort of sharing that so honestly. And so I'm curious, moving moving into that, you know, you said you had an incredible support network that really helped mm-hmm. you. Um, sort of stay, lift you up, right? And in a moment when you couldn't um, do that or you're just like so out of body and in shock, when that shock wears off from getting news like you received and then starting to deal with the realities of being in a a sort of a new new physical reality, Uh what emotionally starts to happen? Because I'm sure there's a a period of time where you are in shock, you are out of body and you're not necessarily processing what's happening. But once you start to try to get back to routine and life and did you feel like, were there dark times where you felt like, how am I going to, you know, emotionally get through this? You're also a mom and a partner and a wife, you know, it's like you have also responsibilities, but you're dealing emotionally with this like completely new reality. Can you share a little bit about what that was like for you? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you're saying, I think when you mentioned about the new reality and that coming upon those feelings, I think after that 60 days and like everyone had taken me through that, I, it really did feel much like a grief of a major loss, whether it could be in in some ways 
it felt like a depth of who I was and now what does this mean? And the shock of it's me, how did I have this happen to me? I was just coming upon my 50th birthday, which I spent in my rehabilitation um, room with a lot of happy people around me. They were amazing. But it was that real, you know, reality of now I'm coming into what it's going to be and who am I going to be moving forward. But that grief and that darkness was absolutely so heavy. It was such a heavy feeling of how do I, how do I, how do I make myself look happy to those around me? So I don't want to make them sad. I didn't want to make my husband sad. I didn't want to make my son sad. So you try to protect yourself and, 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 and really work through it yourself in your own mind, in your peace, in your corner. When I would go to sit in my bed or I go into my closet, you know, those kind of things where I could have some quiet time away from everyone because everyone was trying to be so attentive to my physical needs, but my emotional needs really took a toll. And it really, I have to say it was much of a death and it is a grieving process. And I don't know if being in this quarantine now makes it feel that I have learned a tremendous amount about myself. I think this is much like to other people today dealing with this, um, that this is a loss as well to them of what their life was. And I've been fortunate to kind of help some of my friends through their dark times, um, sharing some things that worked for me, you know, whether I would sit and listen to music or I, um, my, one of my therapists had a great idea. I said, every day this feels so heavy on me. I feel like I'm needing to correct and fix my physical person, but my emotional ability is holding me back, right? Everything I do is such, I cry. I just couldn't stop crying. And um, it, was, it was so much that I thought, I can't go anywhere because people are just going to think I'm a sobbing girl, walk, you know, rolling around. And um, she gave me a really great tip, and I have to say I've shared it with friends for themselves. Um, she said every morning when you go to shower, you get in the shower, you force yourself to cry two minutes. You give yourself two minutes, and that's all you do. And I thought, this is a crazy exercise. They said, oh, come on, Beth, this is not going to help me. And, of course, I went into the shower the next morning, and I'm like, I could cry for three hours. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. So I got in there and I started to sob and cry and I could feel this weight coming off of me. And, you know, I look over at the little clock that I had in my bathroom and I could see that I was already done with my emotional part. And it was like a minute and 37 seconds. And I thought, this is fabulous. And I continue to do the practice and I still do it to this day if I'm starting to feel really blue or low. And it works fantastic. So it's one of the things that I feel that from my emotional standpoint, um, it, it helps me. I also love to be outdoors. I was a golfer. Um, and to me, playing golf, I used to do it for work. I did it for pleasure. My husband and I would travel places to play golf. It was really part of our lifestyle. And, you know, being in this situation, how do we do those things? And um, I'm fortunate to be able to get out and play golf with an adaptive um, cart. And I can give you more information about that as well. But, you know, 
I think it's important from your emotional standpoint, regardless of what you're going through, that we all have these low points. We all have these dark times and that we look to each other. And again, like I mentioned, my friends, my family, they were monumental. They were amazing. They were, they were the greatest. But when you have that, in, that emotional inner you know, struggle, you really have to work at it yourself. It is something you have to do. Um, nobody else can do that for you. So I think, uh, I think we all need to make sure that we are keeping check of that part of our lives. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think so many people in different ways, right, can relate to ex- having an experience that drastically changes the course of their life, right? Even just this right. year of 2020, as you mentioned, I think mm-hmm. so many people, be it their livelihood, their jobs, their loved ones, right? It's like everything has changed so much this year on such a mass scale. But I think what's interesting too about your experience specifically, right, as you mentioned um, early on as well, is you said, right, when this happened though, there were things that you realized maybe society, the community, I'm sure the nation was not equipped for, right, for this now disability, right, like a physical, you know, disability. So how, what did you notice like immediately and what have you noticed since that um, hasn't been the most accessible from like a community and society standpoint? I, I mean, when I first, you know, was in a wheelchair and looking around and trying to navigate, it first started with my own home, you know, that was about how do I make my life and my ability to be what I say an active participant in your household, right? I mean, that seems silly to say that, but you know, there were many things I could do. I could cook, I could do the laundry, I could go up and down the stairs the 75,000 times I would do a day. I could, you know, carry things around. I could get in and out of my home. I could drive anywhere. Um, All of those things had to be adapted. You know, every single thing. I had to learn how to drive. I had to go back to driving school, which was another hysterical story. I do love humor, by the way. So I, we really, I could share a lot of funny stories. But um, needless to say, my driver, my driver's end guy, he was so sweet, um, a funny man. But he kept telling me I needed to keep working on my driving skills and that he enjoyed the time that we would spend to talk. So I told him at the end of, like, it was like eight sessions when I said, you know, Paul, we got to break up. Like, time is up. We're over. I said, I'd love you too, but it's really got to go. So he did. He advanced me on and I got my driver's license. And I, that was, to me, freedom right out, the, right out of the gate. Um, difficult process, though. Again, something that I learned that all these people go through. It took me up to nine months just to get through the process where you would think, this should not be this way. It's just because of, you know, resources and things within the state itself that are, are lacking. So again, I learned something I didn't realize people with any disability were trying to deal with. Um, it should not be that way. So if I could fix that, definitely would fix that. Um, we did many adaptive things in our house. Again, these are things that are not covered financially by anything, right? So this is a huge, you know, financial situation that has really um, taxed our family. You know, we always had our plan, what we were going to do with our retirement and where we were going to be and putting our son through college. 
and all of those things. And this is a huge financial strain. So you realize that while we had ability to help myself and my family, there are so many people out there that don't. Um, so whether I could help with healthcare changes, um, what's covered, what's not, how it's covered, uh, that's something else I would, you know, date that that needs to be looked at. Um, physical therapy and how they say traditional physical therapy versus more progressive that spinal cord injury people have that are needed. Um, those are other things that really are not understood by our system today. Um, when I go out into the, you know, my community itself, I, I, I am amazed. But again, when you're not sitting in this position in this way, you're not, your eyes are not open to it. You don't understand it. And um, our community itself is lacking quite a bit. So I'm actually on our first Selectman's Committee for People with Disabilities. And I've had an amazing time in just the short period of being part of the community, community, committee, learning so very much about our town, how it works, what we can change, what we can't. Um, but I think what it's the, the most important part is teaching people that we are all only temporarily able. Doesn't You don't know when how right so um you don't know if it's ali to your point about your you all of a sudden it happens to you right the unknown and um you know you never know when that would happen and when you may need assistance with something it could be in your when you're five could be 25 50 75 um but really teaching our community and town that you are temporarily able and to think of people when you're making decisions, you know, when you're when you're going to build new sidewalks that are what they say is ADA compatible, what does that really mean? And anytime someone is building a new building within the town, that they are following ADA guidelines. They are not just simplifying it, they're following it to the letter. I think the more people that we have conversations with about these needs and basically making it simplified and easier for people, with disabilities um, that I think they'll come along. I hope people will come along. And um, that's what I really would want to see, you know, with adaptability and how I, you know, dealt with it and going through it. And obviously my eyes are wide open. And again, I was probably just like the other person who didn't notice that the door wasn't wide enough and that you ask to go into the elevator by opening a door, you know, like there is certain things that unless you're sitting in this position and I don't wish that upon anyone that it wouldn't be mindful. You wouldn't even, wouldn't be top of mind to do so. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that um, to bring more awareness to this. You know, it's interesting. I've never even you, you explaining it in this way. I've never even thought, of the language temporarily able, right? And mm -hmm. like just just configuring that is such a drastic shift in the way you perceive what you're able to do every day. Um, right. And so I think that's a really interesting concept too. And I think in a way, like hearing you speak to this, it sounds like maybe one of your superpowers out of this uh, <laughs> adversity and this situation is the fact that you have a real understanding of what it was like to be 
temporarily able and then also have a new disability and then and have the real like sort of mindfulness of both of what of what both of those circumstances are like because some people might be born um with certain sort of abilities right so you really have like this ability to say hey listen i lived almost 50 years of my life this way and now i'm living this portion of my life this way and i can speak to what both of those sort of mindsets are like and really kind of it sounds like you're working to um sort of bridge a gap there because I think there is even, even people who are aware I'm listening and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not even that aware, you know, and I'm, and I'm doing an episode on it really. So, um, Uh I think that's, yeah, that's really eye opening And, um, and in a way I think maybe like a gift of yours now that you have that you're able to sort of impart to other people to bring awareness to that. Um, so yeah, so that's interesting. So I'm curious, now that you are, you know, you're almost, you're two years actually into this, right? Yeah. So what, and, and you were talking about, actually, I think it's interesting some of the parallels that you and Erica were talking about even this year in 2020 with sort of a shift in, a, in reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say as far as routine goes and establishing a new, like creating a new normal for yourself. What, um, what has that process been like? And do you feel, do you feel like a sense of, uh, do you feel a sense of routine now or is every day just sort of something that's different and you, do you feel like you crave a sense of routine or what is that experience like now? I think that everybody craves a sense of routine. And to me, that gives me a sense of balance, right? So I do, um, since this has happened, I've, I've wanted to always have that time, that time frame, the time schedule of what I would be doing from morning, you know, midday, afternoon to evening. Um, I was a very organized person in my business life. So I try to do the very same thing in this. And I'm trying to approach what I say is my recovery um, to my the best that I can possibly be. My recovery may not be to be walking down the street unassisted in any way. My my very best may be that I have found the strength to do my day at the best I can. So however that might might look. Um, I, I feel that I need to always be busy. That's a good thing to be. Um, my new normal is, you know, trying to insert myself in things that I find that I'm passionate about. Um, I want to continue doing those things that I did prior to my injury. And so I've kept going with all of those things. With the exception of my job, I'm no longer able to do the job that I was doing prior. So I'm on a permanent, what we consider um, long-term disability. Uh, So I've left my job. And now I'm like, okay, now I, I love volunteering. So I'm like your number one volunteer person. I love doing that. I sit on the board of the American Red Cross, um, and that is an amazing organization. And again, a, an incredible partner for me along the way and support. Um, but I want to make sure that those things I'm intertwining with my physical as well. So 
I do fit in my physical therapy has to be paramount in whatever I do. And I try to get that in every day, whether it be in-house that I might be doing or externally going to different type of physical therapy locations, whether it be in New Jersey, Connecticut, or New York. Um, I travel. I, I pretty much, once I'm dressed, I'm ready to go out that door. Um, so I'm pretty independent when I would say that it's time to go and love driving, love getting out, um, meeting friends. Uh, but again, creating a new normal. I think it's the new normal for now, if that makes sense. So it's got to be ever changing and evolving. And I want to make sure that I'm mindful of the fact that I think prior, maybe as as recent as six months ago, I was thinking of always of recovery, you know, I want where I wanted to be. And now I'm more of, I'm, I'm going to continue that journey of recovery, but I want to make a difference while I have a voice about it. And it's recent and it's now, and I think it's pertinent where I am that I want to keep that balance too of that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned also, right, that you have a wonderful supportive partner, right? And you're also a mom. And I would love to talk about, um, you know, like you said, you have this network of support. And I think for so many people, right, when a traumatic life event happens to a loved one, um, a friend, a family member, a partner, it can be difficult, right, to navigate the the new normal as well in the partnership or in the whatever relationship it may be. So can you maybe talk about like what about the situation made it so supportive and what anybody listening who might be experiencing some sort of traumatic change in their life, what just any advice or tips on like, this was the best way for us to navigate this as a partnership and as a family and even with friends, right? Because I think, um, like you said, we're all temporarily abled, even in Right. Whatever. We're all going to experience something. So, um, yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. So I, like many, when something does happen, you struggle with the question, you know, what is my purpose, right? I always kept thinking in my mind, what is my purpose? Where, what am I doing? Uh, I was, a, I worked, I was a mom and I kept using the words was in the past tense. I was definitely speaking in the past tense. And I, I literally was crying and my son came to me and he looked at me and he said, what's happening? What's wrong, mom? And he's pretty astute to, uh, you know, people that are in, in pain of some kind. He's a pretty empathetic kid. Um, and I said, I looked at him and I just said, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm not sure what my purpose is. And I'm like, I can't cook. I can't do these things. I can't, I can't race you out to do this. I, I, I just, I can't go play basketball with you. Like these are the things that were going through my mind. And I said, I just don't know what my purpose is. And he looked at me and I have to say, this was the best advice anyone has ever given me. And it came from my now 15 year old child. But he said, mom, your purpose is you're my mom. And it, I have to tell you, like now I'm crying more. Like I, I was, beyond sobbing. And it was that simple thing that he said that maybe, maybe I wouldn't that simple isn't the correct word, but it, it was, it was such, 
It was the right word. It was the, they were the right words, and he made it feel and bring my heart back to thinking that I do have a purpose. My purpose is right in front of me. My purpose is being his mom, and it. it I have to say, one of the most poignant things that anyone told me through this entire time was was that. And I have to say, you know, you, we lose sight sometimes of what that present is, right? We, we are, we're not living in that present. We're talking about our past. And this brought me right up to my, right to my present and looking forward to my future for sure. And when you tell us, do you have um, any sort of personal practice uh, now, whether it's like a spiritual practice or something that you do to, to um, or maybe a mindfulness to keep yourself present or not, not even keep yourself present, but you know, we all have stuff that brings us out of the present moment. And do you have a practice that kind of can bring you back when you find yourself going to the past or worrying about the future? I, I mean, uh, I know there are so many different practices out there of what people do for mindfulness. And I, I always recall when I find myself getting out of the present, I had a high school coach um, when I played field hockey, and she was fantastic. And her name's Caddy Provost, and anyone hears about this, she's the greatest. But, and I'm sure other people would say this, but she was, she was always that person that you saw that lived in the present. So anytime I find myself getting away from myself in any way, and in bad thoughts and sad thoughts, um, and racing and wondering what I'll do next and where am I going? I always think of her. She always lived in the present and always imparted on all of us to live in the present and to, to look around and, and really take in what you have that very moment. So what I do is I try to, it could be that I look up and I see a great glass of iced tea over there. Anything that will kind of make me stop and remind myself that that's how I need to look through my day. And I mean, she knows how much I care about her and how much she has really taught me about resiliency and grit in life. And um, so I want to bring that every day. So in sort of mindfulness, it's really reminds, reminding myself of this approach that she always said. I love that. And I love too that you keep mentioning like grit and this term grit, because I think that really is like a key component in life. Is there anything that has been like a really beautiful new discovery that you didn't expect to find through your recovery and new normal? I found a whole new network of people that I never even knew existed. Right. So there are so many different um, individuals out there who are doing such great things about spinal cord awareness. Um, so I have learned and have followed from, you know, there are people from all over the country, not even just the United States. And my new normal is really been opening myself up to a lot of other people. And I've been so happy and fortunate that um, that's a positive in my mind that I think that people really should open themselves up as most as best as they can um, to learn new things, to meet other people from all over the world who might be going through the similar thing. Um, but it's been, it, it, it really has shown me there are so many, so many people out there who want to help you. And 
And that's what I, I hope I'm going to do the same for somebody else in a similar, similar situation. Thank you. I'm curious now, because it sounds like it's really, it's really interesting. And I, I think about it in the context too, like Erica and I always talk about this. Um, you know, had we not gone through our personal sort of health journeys, issues, whatever you want to call obstacles, we wouldn't have this now, which we love so much. We wouldn't have this platform. We wouldn't have this purpose. We wouldn't have both gone back to school. We wouldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's like talking about your purpose and mission, like all this purpose in my life sort of came out the other side of a really big obstacle. And it sounds like the way you talk about the things that you're really passionate about and, and, um, bringing awareness to, you wouldn't have known about, you know, had, so it's so interesting that it also like, you feel like a loss of purpose, but then there's sort of newfound mission and purpose that can present in your life in a way that you wouldn't have been there otherwise. Um, so I'm curious a little, if you want to talk to us a little bit about Steph Be Strong and- Mm -hmm what your vision for that is and what, what it is, um, to share with our listeners and yeah. And what your hopes are for it. So it's, it's evolving, I should say. Um, it's really the platform we were going to, when I say platform, we were going to introduce this. It was going to happen pretty much on my birthday, which was March 1st. And it did not, we did not push everything or anything out and it's keeping kind of quiet, but uh, due to what is going on, obviously. Um, but the intention is that um, we would raise money for spinal cord injury uh, research. Uh, that would be our num- my number one thing to be doing within my inner community, um, also bringing awareness to those with spinal cord injuries and others with disabilities. But it was also supposed to really be a means to share what it is, like you said before, daily life. And hopefully, like some others have shown me, um, there are others like me. There are ways to do things that I never knew about. But I want to share that with others. I've learned so much from so many other people. Um, But I just wanted to be able to be that voice and use my voice. I, I was never a quiet person in my life. So I didn't want to start now for sure. <laughs> That's really what we're hoping Steffi Strong will do. We want to make sure that, you know, if I have an opportunity or I know that I I feel that my personal journey might be able to help one person, then that's what it should be. Thank you. Thank you. That's so wonderful. And I think having this platform and this, it's so important because like you shared, like I think all the time and with everything going on too right now in the world, it's like you never know who's going to get sick or become, you know, injured. You just, we just don't know. But one thing is it's definitely a lot, um, you know, like you shared, like if you don't have the financial means and you're working two jobs or you're a single parent, that reality can be so drastically different. And then where do they go, right? To find that financial support or where are those organizations that are raising that awareness? And then on the other side of that, that connection, that sharing the stories, because people feel so alone, like regardless of financial situation, it's like that aloneness that you can feel when something drastically different has happened to you. Um, 
yeah, I think, again, that's why we share stories. And I'm so glad that um, you're, you're going to have this platform to help other people connect regardless of where they are and, and right. share stories and feel less alone. I think that's just so beautiful and so important. So thank you. I think the other thing I just wanted to add to that, and you were saying about, you know, how people feel when, when I was, what I say, discharged from um, what would be, you know, in inpatient therapy, they handed me basically a, a book and it was from the Christopher Reeve Foundation. And the book had, I would say, it was like the how-to. It was the how-to of everything with spinal cord injury. The book gave so much great information, but until you're physically in it, you don't even know how to use it. So I, I, when I left there, I was like, why are they giving me this journal? Like, why are they giving me this book? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that book. I don't need that. Like, I, have, I thought I had it all figured out. Meanwhile, I had nothing figured out. But if I could just make people understand, if anyone wants to listen, is that you don't need to feel helpless. You don't need to feel that there aren't people who are willing and wanting and able to help you. Like, it just doesn't need to be that way. And when I hear stories of people like that, it just breaks my heart. So that's what I'm hoping is to bring this to the forefront, that there are those out there that really need some help. And I'm one of them half the time. And let's go. We're going to get some things done. That's what I hope to do. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. So we have a couple questions that we always ask all of our guests as we start to wrap up. So the first one is, what does your self-care look like now? What does your self-care in a day look like? What do you do for yourself? And what's a non-negotiable for you? Let's see. Um, my self-care. Hmm. My self-care, I guess, would be uh, some type of physical therapy that day. Some type of something. Whether it be standing in a standing frame um, or physical activities, lifting weights doing some cardio of some kind. Um, my self-care does include that every day. Our last question too that we ask all of our guests is, do you have a book that has been particularly inspirational to you? Um, it can be directly related to your journey or it can be just any book that has been of comfort and you would like to share with our listeners. Um, in terms of a book, let's see. I always, I shouldn't say always, but I have quoted um, many times, I have this, it's one by St. Teresa of Avilia. This is, um, it's a book written by Maria Shriver. And I don't know if you guys have ever read it, but um, Reflections, Prayers, Meditations, I always, the title is so long, but I always have to look it up. Reflections, Prayers, Meditations for a Meaningful Life. And it was a book given to me by a friend of mine from the Red Cross. And she said, I think you'll enjoy this. And what I liked about it is it gives you something to, to really pop into the book on a daily basis, just to read bits and pieces that are very helpful. And there's a prayer in the very beginning. And that was the prayer that I was uh, mentioning um, that I do read every day. It's an, it's an intention prayer, but it really helps me. So this book has really been a great way, and you don't have to read the whole entire book at the same time. You can re- read bits and pieces, 
as it's more reflections, but I highly recommend it for anybody that's gone through anything like this. Thank you. And um, if anyone is interested in finding you on the internet, Steph Be Strong, or um, where they can perhaps get involved, where would you send them? Um, Steph Be Strong is on Instagram. Steph Be Strong is also on Facebook. I have a Facebook and also a Twitter account. So that's really the best way. Or they can um, email me as well as at stephbestrong1 at gmail.com. That's how they can find me. Great. Thank you so much for chatting with us Thank today. You, ladies. I'm so excited to so um, Yeah, and to bring this to our audience. I think it's gonna it's gonna be great for for our listeners. Well, thank you for allowing me to share a little bit. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness. <laughs>